I'm Joe Leo with your Play-By-Play -play Network Sports Minute. If you learned anything this week, let it be that the NFL hates their fans. If you don't believe me, how's the value of your PSL? The NFL has now voted for the ability to flex Thursday night football games, which now we can add to the laundry list of reasons why the NFL owners don't care about their players, even though they claim to because the players themselves hate the short turnaround. On top of the lack of player safety, the NFL is just completely flipping the bird to their fans. As New York Giants owner put it on Monday, it's a quote, abusive, end quote, relationship towards their fans for interrupting their daily schedule to get to games. Not every Thursday night game is flexible, however, just the following. Week 13, Seattle at Dallas. Week 14, New England at Pittsburgh. Week 15, Chargers at Raiders. Week 16, New Orleans at the LA Rams. And week 17, the New York Jets at the Cleveland Browns. So if you're one of the fans of those teams, hopefully you can get your airfare back your hotel refund and put the tickets up on Seeky because there's a possibility the game that you want to go to will be happening in another city. Along with that vote, the NFL has also voted to extend Commissioner Roger Goodell until the 2027 season. The 64-year-old commissioner, who has held the position since 2006, now enters an interesting point in his career with Thursday Night Football now on Amazon Prime, the league having a playoff game on Peacock, while also putting Sunday Ticket on YouTube and YouTube TV as well as breaking ground with a Black Friday game in Week 13 between the Jets and the Dolphins. How Goodell will manage the multi-billion dollar product on the field, on streaming services, very well might define his career and his next contract. If I had to place a bet on how it will go, they'll just watch their product set ablaze while telling everyone who can see the fire that there's nothing wrong. For the Blood by Play Network, I'm Joe Leo. This should be played at high volume. You're listening Not us. to the Grind Hours Podcast. You can either have the money and a hammer, or you can walk out of here. You can't have both. Hello and welcome to the Grind Hours Podcast for Friday, May 26th, 2023. Recording this first part actually on Thursday, May 25th, just before 1230 Eastern Time. I know it's been a few days, but I want to talk about the Lakers-Nuggets game four because I was taking notes. I was working that game. I was taking notes during that game, and I want to talk about them. I will not talk about the LeBron retirement. That's coming up in next segment with Aaron Califato, so, who's a huge LeBron fan. We will dive into all of the LeBron subtopics and retirement and all that in the next segment, but Specifically for this game, I do want to start with LeBron because he was awesome. Absolutely awesome. Probably the best half of basketball that I've witnessed him play since game six in Boston. I think the best game in totality that I've seen him play was the game one in 2018, I believe, against the Warriors where he went for 50 in overtime, the J.R. Smith game. The, that that game. That was the best LeBron game I've ever seen him play. This game was was on the trajectory of that one. Because if you listen to this podcast, if you listen to me on 98.7, I said LeBron was going to go nuclear in one of these games. I truly believe that. I thought it was going to be game three. And it ended up being game four. Goes for 41 in the first half. And I just... I was in awe of watching him. I I really thought that he was going to 
help his team climb out of the, the grave for game four and will his team do a win and, and you know at least extend the series and get people talking about, oh, well, maybe LeBron can do this. What if LeBron does this? And I thought that was going to be the narrative coming out of this game. Aaron Gordon had other things to say about it. I think this is the Aaron Gordon game. Aaron Gordon in his career, no fault to his own. He played a lot of his career in Orlando. He didn't have a quote-unquote game. Like, no one walked away and was like, wow. You know who was really, really good in that game and, and the difference for why they won? Aaron Gordon. Well, I think he saved it for Game 4 of the 2023 Western Conference Finals. I, I, I think that's his game. He put his imprint on the game. He was great. He was really good defensively. He, at stretches, just was like, move over, Jokic. I got this. And was phenomenal. So, really, hats off to him. I was actually starting in this series to kind of wane on him a little bit. I love the trade when Denver originally got him last year. This year, it was just he was just sort of there. He didn't really seem like he was uh, he was involved, but he wasn't involved in the way that I thought he was going to be when I pictured the trade last year. Let's just put let's just put it that way. The third thing on my list was Jokic had a Jokic where you know he's going to have a triple-double. You just wait until the end of the game to see what the, the final tally was. Because it seems like he grabs every rebound, he scores every point, and every time the Nuggets make a basket that he's not putting through the nylon, he's assisting on it. Like it, That just seems how... and I <clears throat> Excuse me. I haven't seen something like this in my basketball watching career in, you know, almost 20 years of watching this game. I haven't seen that at Westbrook a little bit, but Westbrook, it was stat, stat patty. It was, you know, move out of the way, Steven Adams. I need this rebound for my 10th rebound. Oh, I'm, I'm just going to pass it off. With eight second, with you know eight seconds in the shot clock, four seconds in the shot clock, the corner, because they have to shoot that in order for me to get an assist. It wasn't, it wasn't additive. It wasn't flowing with the game. It was more move over. I have to do this because I'm on a mission to average a triple double. Jokic does it by accident because Denver has tailored their offense and really their entire game around Jokic. And at this point of his career, he can do that. He is the best player in the league. He is probably the best center since... Actually, I don't think it's probably. He is the best center since Shaq. And I don't think we will ever see another player like him in any of our lifetimes. I, As good as Wembenyama can probably be, Wemby, I don't think, can pass the ball as good as Jokic. He might be able to score the ball as good as Jokic. He might be able to rebound or even defend better than Jokic. But I don't think he can pass the ball with the vision that Jokic does. Because Jokic just sees things differently. It's like he's playing four-dimensional chess at all times. And even against LeBron, 
it works because I think basketball IQ wise, Jokic is already a rung below LeBron. Where LeBron can he's been LeBron's been playing four dimensional chess since about 2010 when it comes to basketball. Since he went to Miami and that sort of unlocked a different part of his brain and he just saw things differently. Well, that's what happens with Jokic in a lot of these games. And I don't want to get on the the train of, oh my God, where were you? And this has been happening all year and this is why you should be the MVP. I, I, I'll save that debate for somebody else to, to have with you because I just want to sit back and enjoy what Jokic is doing because it's it's almost stupid at times like it doesn't make sense like and and, you know the fifth thing on my list I'm, I'm skipping around here a little bit but the Jokic step back three at the end of the shot clock with like three minutes left that the one foot chuck up that you would see at the Y or LA Fitness just playing basketball just fooling around like Somebody at the end of the game who's hot and it's a heat check. Oh, let me just do this over my head. Step back, one foot chuck up, and it goes in. But Jokic, like that, that if you watch him enough, that thing doesn't happen. That one foot step back where it, the ball is completely over his head. It looks, it looks like he's throwing a full court pass. The way he he chucked that three up, but. There are things like that that happen at least once a game with Jokic where it's just like, that's not going in. There's no way, and it drops. Or, that's not going to work, and it ends up working out. It's just it, I don't know what it is. It's a sixth sense. It's something that you can't quantify with analytics. You just got to sit back. Like Jokic is the death of analytics because he doesn't care about what his stats are. He doesn't care what you think of him. He doesn't care how he plays. He just wants to win. And if you try to quantify him, sure, all the advanced analytics are in his favor, but he's just a basketball player. Like He just goes out and plays, and he does stuff like this where, again, it happens once a game. You just have to go sit back and watch. Like that's As a basketball fan... He is so refreshing and so awesome that I'm just, I'm happy, I'm rooting for him, and I'm very interested to see where his career goes now that he is on the pedestal of the NBA Finals. Win or lose, I I, I am fascinated with how the rest of Jokic's career goes, because he's 28, he's in the prime of his career, this is when a lot of NBA players figure it out. I, I, I just... I love the guy, and I, I really, really, really am excited for the finals. But getting too ahead of myself, I think this game four between the Lakers and the Nuggets was the best game in the playoffs since the Memphis-Golden State series. I want to say like game five, game four, game five of the Memphis-Golden State series. This was back and forth, it, big leads. That didn't mean anything. LeBron going at it. Jokic, what he was doing. Aaron Gordon. Anthony Davis had a very, very quiet double-double. And it didn't seem like he was playing all that well. But then he goes to the free throw line with like two or three minutes left in the game. And you're like, he is 20 and 10? How? And 
that's an interesting point with Yo- uh, with Davis, excuse me, where I don't know what is going to happen with him in this offseason, and if he stays with the Lakers, if he goes somewhere else, and his career, he's at a, a crossroads point where, yes, he can actually play multiple games back-to-back-to-back-to-back to back to back to back in the playoffs, but just getting him there is a chore, and when he gets there... He's every other game. The nickname that he's he's procured this postseason is every other Davis. Like, I I don't I, I I he's phenomenal and probably the best interior defender in the NBA. But that's only when he wants to be. And offensively, it seems like he checks out in a lot of these games. Just defers to other teammates. And doesn't want to instill his will because he could take over games the way Jokic can, the way LeBron did in in his prime. And LeBron still can do it, but, you know, he was playing on a bum foot. And I'll get to this in a minute, but he ran out of gas. Like, just completely ran out of gas. And with Davis... He doesn't, I don't know if it's conditioning, I don't know if it's want to, I don't know what it is, but Davis could be, could be one of the best five players in the league, and he it doesn't just seem like he wants to do that, and it's kind of like the Kevin Durant syndrome, like, I don't know if he wants it, and at this point in LeBron's career, looking at that, I don't know how you can still hit your wagon to this guy, and... I'm getting into the LeBron retirement subplots. I got to stop. Move down the list, Joe. Come on. It's only 10 things. (laughs) Getting the six. I'm really surprised that that's the shot LeBron got off at the end of the game. I know they only needed a two to tie. I I, I know he he shot like 25, 24% from three in the series. I'm not saying go for the win, go for the three. But... It seems like, and he did the the patent step back, falling away in the corner, the previous possession, and, and it was an air ball. So I don't know if that was still fresh in his mind, that he didn't want to go and do that shot again and try to bank it off the glass a la Cleveland against Toronto. But maybe like just a, a step back to evade the double team, I'm, I'm really shocked. That go I, and I know he's left-handed, but going to his left hand into the double team, trying to force the layup. I'm really shocked that that's the shot that he uh, wanted to take. I, I don't the step back to, and I'm second guessing LeBron. Who am I, right? But that just seems like the the move that he was going to, and I was waiting for him to you know step back and hit the jumper, but. Going up there into the double team. And it was a phenomenal, phenomenal, incredible defensive play by Jamal Murray to get all ball. And it wasn't a foul. And to challenge LeBron like that. Like the want to and the instinctiveness to do that. I mean, that was an incredible defensive play by Jamal Murray. A championship level defensive play by Jamal Murray. But I'm just, I'm shocked LeBron went to the hole. And allotted for the layup. I'm also surprised that LeBron just didn't walk off the floor. Because if you're watching the broadcast, he was getting shots up while the Denver mock presentation of the trophy was going on. So, 
I, I'm really shocked that he stuck around, and I know LeBron is like the ushering in this new generation of we're all buddy buddy, and 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 there's no hatred after the games, but the way that his team just didn't have his back in the second half and allowed that 15 point lead to just dwindle down and they ultimately rel- relinquish it. Uh, I'm shocked that LeBron just didn't say, you know what? And it was, it's nothing against Denver, but like quit, like just like say, I- I'm, I'm done with you. I- I'm done with this series. I'm done with everything right now and just walk off the floor. I wouldn't have killed him for it. I wouldn't have. Because if I'm in that position, that's probably what I would have done. And maybe that's, you know, my sore losing as an athlete and as a competitor. But I, that's, I, I don't know if I would have been able to, after my shot was blocked and I, I didn't get a shot up, been able to turn around and say, you know, all right, guys, nice series. I, I really don't know if I would have done that. I think I would have just, you know, as the buzzer sounds, I would have just, you know, walked off and addressed it in the post-game press conference after I've had a minute to collect my thoughts and, and go that way. Number eight is how bad the Lakers were from three. They only took nine threes in the second half which is surprising, and they only made one of them. One of nine in the second half. That, that's telling, and I don't want to get into the, well, this is the, the new age of the NBA. Whoever makes the most threes wins the game. I don't want to really discuss that, and I, that's not why I'm bringing it up. It's just one of nine when your season's on the line. I mean, that, that, that's tough to swallow, real tough to swallow. And the last thing here is um, Denver. Sneaky, sneaky title town. They have the ability within a calendar year to win the NHL final, the Stanley Cup final, and the NBA finals. That two out of the four championships going to, to one city, that, that's a sneaky title town year. So Denver. Sneaky, sneaky title town. And I, I know I've went long on this segment, but coming up after the break, Aaron Califato discussing the retirement or quote-unquote potential retirement, I should say, of one LeBron James. Back after this. SeatGeek is the number one ticket app for buying and selling tickets. Sports fans, music fans, comedy fans, theater fans, fans of tickets. Use my code GRINDHOUR to get into the building to get yourself a seat. Again, that's code GRINDHOUR at checkout for $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek.com or the SeatGeek app. One more time, code GRINDHOUR. That's G-R-I-N-D-H-O-U-R at checkout. Feed Hudson Valley is a regional food rescue and harvesting network in the Hudson Valley operating through Dutchess, Orange, Ulster, Columbia, Green, Putnam, and Sullivan counties. It links donors of prepared but unserved food and fresh produce with nonprofits and food assistant programs. Through an app-assisted network of food donors, volunteers, and feeding agencies, Feed Hudson Valley 
facilitates the harvesting, processing, and distribution of locally grown or produced agricultural products, self-stable food donations, and prepared nutritious foods. The app used is called Chowmatch, and it is easy for volunteers to download and use. Among the donors are restaurants, farms, food makers, stores, hospitals, and universities. The food assistant programs include food pantries, soup kitchens, and shelters. Volunteers are matched through the Chowmatch app when a donation is available. They can indicate that they are available to make a run and then pick it up for a donor and deliver it to the agency. The Feed Hudson Valley Network currently includes over 300 volunteers, 130 donors, and 95 receiving agencies. Last year, on average, Feed Hudson Valley rescued and redirected over 12,000 pounds of food each month. Feed Hudson Valley could use more donors and volunteers. To learn more and sign up, visit feedhv.org. Again, that's feedhv.org. One more time, spelled out, F-E-E-D-H-V.org. Now back to the podcast. Joining me now for first time in a long time, and the reason for that is it's a passion project of his. It's Aaron Calafato <laughs> of Seven Minute Stories, the producer, creator, writer, voice of Seven Minute Stories, and also huge Cleveland sports fan. We're not here to talk about your guardians and if you can get Jose Ramirez some help or figure yep. out the pitching around Shane Bieber. We're here to talk about a former Cavalier that's been in the news. People may have heard him, heard of him. LeBron James, who completely flipped the NBA world on his on its head Sunday night, saying that he might retire, that he had mm-hmm. a lot to think about this summer, completely taking the spotlight away from Nikola uh, Jokic and the Denver Nuggets 15 minutes after the game ended and the series ended and they were headed on to the Western Conference Finals. But I already talked about that on this podcast. Aaron... Save LeBron for you because you are a Clevelander. You grew up around that area. You are around the same age as LeBron. So yep. what does, for people of your generation, what does he mean to that area and, and to you? So first, you're you're being kind that, that I'm joining you, but let's be honest. You know, thanks for plugging seven minute stories where you can listen to seven minute stories that are up and down roller coaster rides of my life. But one thing that I can't do on seven minute stories for my audience is I know maybe I could get away with one, but Joe, they're not <laughs> listen, they're not gonna listen to four or five or six of the because I need at least a half hour. Month and a half straight. Month and a half straight of me just doing (laughs) seven-minute stories about LeBron James. So what did I do? I said, I was feeling these feelings, and I texted you in a a fever. And I said, Joe, please let me me come on the podcast and just give me just a few minutes. And you graciously accepted on short notice. So let's be honest. This was me begging to come onto this show (laughs) and talk about this. But look, to to your question, and I'll keep it just really condensed about what he means. In this area... Uh, he means everything when it comes to pride and when it comes to having a, a native son do what he's done for the community, 
for in just in Northeast Ohio. And that's well, that's well documented. I, I've had firsthand experience. Um, I, you know, the, the eight, before I went on my own doing podcast consulting, I was with an agency, um, an ad agency, um, and we worked with outside clients and I had this crazy opportunity to help coordinate an interview with the CEO of our company and LeBron James, because they were partnering uh, around the I promise school and just being around not only that school, but being in the interview setting with him in person, literally, you know, three feet away, uh, watching his commitment to the students there, to the area, um, and the way he and his team and everybody around him, this is a key point about team, right? He puts great people around him and they make him better and he makes them better. And they are able to do some really special things here and in, in the area. So there's the philanthropic nature of it. There's the social nature of what he does. Um, there's what he's done, you know, in his early career in high school. That's another thing. I grew up, you know, going to games, not only at St. Vincent, but also when he started getting so much hype, you know, with the Sports Illustrated article back in the day, uh, we would go to, at the time it was Gund Arena, but now it's Quicken Loans, I believe, in Cleveland, where he where he eventually would become a Cavalier. Mm -hmm. And we would go watch him. They would have the high school basketball games in a sold out arena in an NBA arena. And we're watching, he's 18 years old. We're watching this guy. And I remember being at these games with my dad, just say, look, I'm looking at, I go, this is the greatest player. And even at the time, maybe not fully developed as an NBA player, but right. the type of player, one, I said, I've never seen a player play the game this way with his size, his speed, his ability using a baseball reference. He's a five tool player as a basketball player. Right. I've never seen it. It's never, I've never seen it. You've seen pieces of it. It's documented. Magic Bird, Jordan, right? He was all of them. Oscar Robertson, all of them in one package and then could toggle between those skill sets when the game dictated it. I, he's never seen anything like that. So, um, so look, watching him do that, seeing that potential. And I'm also old enough because I'm as old as LeBron, a little bit older, just by a year, uh, I watched Jordan. I grew up watching Jordan and we'll get to that in a second, but I I'm saying I watched him vividly throughout my career because those early nineties Cavs teams were always in the playoff battles yep. as it's well documented with Jordan. So I got to see both, but to your point, what does he mean to the area? He means everything. Um, the fact that he came back after that dramatic heartbreak of leaving, um, coming back to Cleveland and finally getting some pieces around him and being able to deliver in the way that he delivered, not just four times in a row against arguably the greatest team ever to put a team together in the Golden State Warriors. And then undoubtedly the two years or, or whatever when they brought Durant in, right? That's the, you can't even, it's the great, Jordan never faced a team like that. Let's just, let's just go, let's just start right there, Joe. Yeah. Jordan never freaking faced a team, not only a team that was statistically better than Jordan's that LeBron, by the way, came back three to one and came back with Kyrie and the Cavs in 2016, one of the greatest days of my life. Uh, but he never faced a team that way. So anyways, you know, what he means is everything from a legacy perspective, from a championship perspective and from a community perspective. And, and look, I, uh, clearly he's not like there's flaws. He's not like there, he, no one's perfect, but he is near perfect to, for me when it comes to a basketball player. Yeah. I mean, what's funny about this whole LeBron thing is it sort of kind of churned up when the draft lottery was happening. And I believe that was game two of their series. Between yeah. the the Nuggets and the War and the uh, Nuggets and, and the Lakers, right? 
And Woj goes on ESPN and says he's Wemby's the greatest prospect in team sport. And I sat there dumbfounded because I was like, are we forgetting about a guy that we're about to see in 10 minutes take the floor in game two? That, that's that's been in the league for 20 years that we were literally, like you said, putting games on ESPN and putting them in the arena of the Cavaliers to, for people to watch his games. Right. We're forgetting about that. And that's not even getting to, you know, Luel Cinder, who is now Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who didn't lose for like seven straight years between high school and college. Mm-hmm. And because he would have won eight straight years if he was allowed to play as a freshman because you weren't allowed to play as a freshman back when he was at UCLA. But he didn't lose. He won all of the high school championships and then all of the college championships and then went to the pros and won championships there. And yeah, oh, by the way, became the all-time leading scorer in NBA history before it was all said and done. And then only to be broken by the other high school athlete that was once in a generation in LeBron James. So if Wemby can do that, if he can break LeBron's record and be around for 25 years and be the greatest thing we've ever seen, then maybe, maybe he'll be the greatest prospect of all time. Think about the pressure, Joe, not to interrupt you, but can I add to what you're saying? Think about the pressure. This is another thing growing up with that realizing the shadow oh yeah of jordan the shadow even the ongoing shadow of kobe right which is was more he's more jordan esque in his game right. but there but the what, but let's just talk about the legacy of jordan for lebron to come in with those expectations what there was a time where it was like he came in with people going there will never be another player at least that we can compare to michael right. jordan on an 18 year old and what was amazing is that he came in and almost built as his own mold. People thought, okay, it's going to be like Mike, but it'll just be like Mike, except better than Mike. But here's this guy came in and goes, I'm not like Mike, but I'm kind of like Mike. I'm not like Magic, but I'm kind of like Magic. I'm not like Bird, but I'm kind of like Bird. I'm not like uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, so on and so forth. And again, some of that was just physical gifts, but the point is his style of play, his knowledge of the game, he created his own template. He created his own, just like Jordan did. And the pressure of having to do that at that age, Jordan didn't come in with any, yeah, there were greats, but Jordan didn't have that same kind of pressure. People were, he wasn't even the top pick in the draft. You know what I'm saying? Like people were picking Sam Bowie over Michael Jordan, (laughs) right? Like I'm not trying to, no, no, I'm not knocking Jordan, but he came in a little bit where he had a bit of an edge because the expectations were actually, he was a little bit almost like an underdog compared to the expectations of LeBron. So I just wanted to add that. Yeah. The expectations were in sports. They, the King, like, it was like, oh, he's the savior of basketball. Right. What, What pressure. Right, the chosen one at 18 years old. And the reason for that is because Jordan retired and the talent in the league was at its lowest point that it's been potentially at any point in the NBA's existence. After Michael Jordan retired, the superstars, quote-unquote, that were in the league would have gotten, you want to talk about comparing eras, just trucked by anybody else at any other era and to deal with that is part of his greatness 
to do what he's done for as long as he's done. And I don't care about, you know, him hopping from Cleveland to Miami back to Cleveland to LA. I don't care about that. No. Because I don't think people realize how hard it is for Kobe to do what he did, for, you know, switching sports for Derek Jeter and Mariana to do it. It's hard to stay with one organization for 20 years and actually win. And if LeBron stayed in Cleveland and was just Cleveland's guy forever, like he never went to Miami, never went to L.A., he was still in Cleveland. I don't know if he gets a ring. I really don't. Excuse me. I think if he, like, he would be looked at as Charles Barkley if if he stayed in Cleveland. And the only reason why I say that is because I don't think they would have been good enough and or bad enough to attract either people through free agency or, you know, get a guy through the draft. And that's how you win. So that's a key point, Joe. This is a key point. And for anybody listening right now, this would be a great entry point. There's three or four contentions, some arguments that I have that have emerged because I've heard a lot of people, as you heard, not just not just not acknowledging, um, as you mentioned, you know, the pressures of, of someone coming into the NBA uh, compare, comparing to Wemby, but but also now saying, oh, well, his legacy is tainted and He's, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's not as good. Oh, it's, it's the, it's the script is written. Look, here's, here's a great, here's a great point. When you talk about being with one team, you're right. The argument has been made against LeBron. Oh, well, you were just jumping teams. Look, as a Cleveland guy, I hated the fact that he left, right? Because you don't want LeBron to leave. Right. He redeemed himself in so, in so many ways. It's not even a question. And I mean that in terms of just being a fan and of a region and wanting your best player. But here's the thing. LeBron was aware of his legacy early on. He saw the parallels and his ability to Michael Jordan. And here's the thing. He knew because he's a student of the game. And I know this now strategically, now that I'm thinking about it as get being a little bit older. He knew he needed a Scottie Pippen to be able to compete for championships. Mm-hmm. He knew that because here's the reality. Jordan never won a single title without Pippen, let alone one of the greatest teams ever assembled. Role players, Steve Kerr, John Paxton, Dennis Rodman, the depth of that team. Okay, I grew up watching those. They were unstoppable. Tony Kukoc would start on every single team in this league and be their number one or two option, okay? People don't realize. They're jaded, with how good that team was. So Jordan, because his organization and, and clearly it was dramatic and tumultuous as when you watch the documentary, right. But the, but the reality is the Chicago Bulls put a team around him. And when they got Scottie Pippen, it was game over because you have a top 50 player, top 50 in the NBA who then was, who then complimented Jordan's game because the reality is that Jordan and even though statistically LeBron and him, and I've been look, before our talk, I looked. You can go to so many sites; they show you the the um, analysis of their stats across all categories, across all cohorts. And the reality is this: you can pick one of them. You could say they're pretty much dead even in the sense that what it comes down to is Michael is a, a better per game volume scorer and a slightly better defender. 
where mm-hmm. LeBron was a better rebounder and a better passer. When you're looking at the comparative analytics. And I don't think anybody's arguing that. I no really one's don't. arguing it. And so you kind of mm-hmm. got to pick and choose. But but to your point, though, Joe, look, the fact of the matter is he knew he needed a Scottie Pippen. And that, and and by the way, waited for many years for the organization yeah, to do that. That's why he left. That's why he left. <laughs> and look what he did with that, right? So he proved that not only he could contend for titles, and I'm going to be honest with you, his the Miami team was a very, very, very good team. It was not the same team as the Chicago Bulls, meaning I'm, I'm not trying to knock the Bulls or knock uh, Dwayne Wade or anybody, but they didn't have this. And that's not anyone's fault. I'm just saying the reality is, but just the fact that he had someone and a legit third option, like a, like a Chris Bosh, a, a team similar of ilk to the Chicago Bulls, or at least just a little bit more talent around him than he had for his first several seasons in Cleveland, it, then he showed you what he could do. So you're you're right. Jordan couldn't do it without Pippen. Um, you look across the league. That's how you win championships. Nobody did it just themselves. Nobody. The only person who came close was LeBron James. And he did that in Cleveland because he took you. I'll challenge your listeners. Name me besides, and I'll give him Zildrunas Olgowskis, by the way, who maybe was a top 10 center averaging 15 points a game, right? The guy could hardly walk down the court. Okay. He's so tall. Look, name me a person who started on the team that LeBron dragged to the, to the finals against the uh, San Antonio Spurs. He got swept in the finals. Jordan couldn't take that team if you gave him a million tries to the finals, and uh, that's not, I think if you if you gave him a million tries, that maybe team, a million. I, maybe I, a million. I agree with you. That team, Jordan was never had that assembled talent on that uh, on any of his teams, and I mean maybe when he came close to you know when he was upset with the foot injury and they just tanked the year, but the thing with Jordan that is so. Uh, and it's the aura of his greatness. It's the reason why mm-hmm. he's the best of all time is the 6-0 in the finals. That is incredibly, almost impossible to do. And I don't know if it could ever be replicated again at any, even go 4-0 in the finals. Kobe lost in the finals. Sure. So, like, Bill Russell lost in the finals. Magic, Larry, all of them. They all lost in the finals. That's sure. the one linchpin that Jordan has, and I'm not holding that against him. I'm not saying that's a crutch. He, I think Jordan's the best player of all time, and I didn't see him play, but I, that's what I believe. But to sit here and try to diminish LeBron being, and even if he's 1A to Jordan's mm-hmm. 1, to try to diminish what LeBron is doing, I never, as a fan of him, I never got I never understood why you wanted to tear him down because you know what's great about having someone challenge the greatest of all time? Witnessing their greatness, seeing stuff that you never thought you would see in your life. And LeBron is a basketball genius. I don't think LeBron needs to have that same competitive edge that Michael would rip your head off to try to beat you. That LeBron does because LeBron 
is not wired like that. And and that's not a bad thing either. He's a cerebral I, player. He's a cerebral player. Michael it, was an instinctual player. That's the dip. There's a key difference there. I'm not saying brain, Michael didn't have IQ. He did. Right. But 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 LeBron is thinks like a point guard. He thinks like a coach. He's a player coach. And Michael was a killer. And they both are effective in that way. But you're mm -hmm. right. It's a different way of approaching the game. And I just I I really personally, and I, I can't believe we're getting this now, but I don't think LeBron's going to retire. No, I, I I don't think this is it. And the one thing that a lot of people are, and you kind of mentioned this before, is this going to ruin LeBron's legacy that he got swept? I hate to break it to people, but when it ends for athletes, it doesn't usually end with sunshine and rainbows and them waltzing off into the sunset. It usually ends bad. Montana got bounced out of the playoffs. Brady, just last year, the greatest quarterback of all time, got bounced in the playoffs. Willie Mays was a shell of himself when he went to the Mets. Derek Jeter, I know he had a great final week as a Yankee, but he wasn't great in his last year as, right. as a New York Yankee. It doesn't end well. It, Kobe... Well Torres Achilles. I know he had the, the great last night with 60 points, but look at that season. He wasn't Kobe Bryant. So it usually doesn't end well for athletes. But again, I don't think LeBron's going to go out like this. I don't think he's going to go out like that too. And your questions about retire. Well, first, let me just say this and not ending well, all the ways that you cited, right. Is how most at career's end because you're getting older your body can't do it anymore is lebron james going to retire he might he might want to go out in this way but i i don't i don't think he will i think he he's going to stick around for a couple more years but here's the reality go not ending well people he's in the western he's 38 <laughs> uh, let's just stop for a second i need to say this for anybody who's well he's he got swept again dude is 38 years old he for the year Average 28 points, almost 29 points. He uh, averaged he averaged 6.8 assists and and uh 8.3 rebounds at the age of 38 years old. He's in the he is, and I think it was clear, AD is supposed to be the one to give him a break right. at this point in his career. He's clearly the best player on his team still, as far as at least who the dependency on him as a player. Right. And how does he end? By the way, I watched every one of those games. They could have gone either way. The Lakers didn't close, didn't have the depth, and the and the, and Utah is just a phenomenal. They, they ran, ran into gas. They ran. They ran into uh, okay. So, and clearly, the the whole Russell Westbrook, all the stuff. No excuses. But the point is, he he took that team, a team that he has essentially 40, 10, and ten. <laughs> in that game. what are people talking about his legacy do you know what jordan was doing when he was 38 years old jordan was barely putting up 20 points on a washington wizards team mm -hmm. doing a vic by the way no knock to jordan but i gotta tell you when you say one and one a the re there's several reasons why i put lebron as one and michael as one a first i have to acknowledge you can pick either one of them right like there it's right. not just because this is more preference than anything. It really comes down to that because when you look at their stats, when you look at their careers, you can find, okay, okay, well, he won six, this, okay, but he went to like 10 or 11. He went final. to 10 straight finals. What's better? <laughs> and people go, there. Th one argument that I keep hearing is, well, 
he went to I, I he, it, it would be better if he didn't go to those finals and that would have helped his percentage. Hold on a second. You're telling me that <laughs> what LeBron it's held against him, right? It's held against him the fact that he drug a team that was probably the equivalent of what Michael maybe worse than what Michael played with before Scottie Pippen came into the fray. And he took a team with Ira Newble and other players that you can't even put in your top, you know, 1000 NBA players and took that team because of the way he plays to the NBA finals that's held against him. Here's one of the reasons why I put him as one instead of one a, I watched Jordan. I know Jordan. Jordan was on a team that was similar to LeBron's talentless Cavs early in his career. Jordan wasn't able to take them to the finals. Why? Because of the way Michael plays. Michael, in those years he never made it, was the best player, the best scorer, and by far the best singular talent. But because of how he played, because he wasn't a natural facilitator, he couldn't get other people involved to help move that team mm -hmm. into the promised land. It's actually because of how LeBron played that enabled him to be able to get a, a Zildrunas Olgowskis to perform at a certain level, to get Ira Nubel, to get Larry Hughes, to get people involved, to make the team better. And the point is, that's not a knock on Jordan. That's just a that's just a shining some light on LeBron that gets really forgotten. You shouldn't penalize someone for making it to the finals. He did it in a way that Jordan, and that is one of my reasons why I think LeBron's the greatest of all time, because I have never seen a player be able to do what he did. I've never been able, I've never seen a player, player be able to do what he did with those teams and many of his teams that he took to nearly the finals. So Look, when you look at the best overall player, right, what I look at is several factors. When you look at the best overall player, I'm thinking, what kind of impact does he have on the team as a whole? Right. And if you look at LeBron's career, he had a deeper impact on the success of his teams more so than L Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan had the impact as the singular talent. When the team was put around Michael that enabled him to have a chance to win those six titles. And by the way, he was incredible. He was in his prime. He was amazing. That helped enable that. But the point is, without that, without that team, those stars, that, that cast, that perfect mix, that chemistry around him, Michael Jordan, I would argue if Michael Jordan never had Scottie Pippen, Michael Jordan wouldn't have a single ring. I'm gonna I'm oh. gonna argue, I'm gonna tell you that right now because he just that's did, yeah he doesn't I mean, have the same kind yeah. of thing that LeBron has. He's similar to Kobe. That Kobe, you oh look, everybody needs that number two, right? Like, to even get to the finals. Mm -hmm. Do you know who didn't need that number two to get to the finals? LeBron James. Well, everyone and, needs it to win. win. That that's the point. Yes. But but not only that, but they needed to also get there. They didn't even get, he didn't even get there without that team. And that's not a knock on him. Real quick, props to Jordan. This is people are like, you hate Jordan. No, I grew up watching him. Jordan is the, the greatest fourth quarter performer I have ever seen in the history of basketball. I have never seen a, per, maybe Kobe, right? I would say LeBron is probably third, maybe fourth on the list. 
So LeBron's up there. He's in the top five because I've seen him win. I mean, statistically, he's actually incredible in the fourth quarter over the course of his career. He has the most game-winning or game-tying shots in the there you go. In the history of the NBA, history, history of, the NBA. of the NBA, and so my so people are like, "Oh, he's not clutch. not clutch." No, he's clutch. But I, I would, <laughs> but I gotta tell you, to me, even as a LeBron one guy and Jordan one A, if I had to pick two minutes left in the fourth quarter, and that's the only thing I'm looking at, mm-hmm. and I need a clutch shot, I'm picking Jordan or Kobe, and then LeBron. That's 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 prop to Jordan. Jordan's the greatest pure scorer I've ever seen play the game. As far as just the ability to get to the rack to 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 score to, and he was the the I don't want to say streaky. He would get he would I watched him play growing up. He would play two quarters. He's just bang clank clank. You're like Jordan's off, and then all of a sudden click. He would just turn on that instinct, that killer instinct, and he would perform. LeBron, on the other hand, though LeBron, who do you want to start a franchise with? I'm picking LeBron. Who is going to be able to bend his weaknesses during a per a per game scenario to still help the team win? It's LeBron. Mm-hmm. It's either Jordan's going to go off or he's not, and they're going to win or lose. LeBron can have the can be a facilitator and win the game that way if his scoring's low, or he can reduce his facilitating and he can be a scorer, or he could just be a point guard. There's so many things that he can do. In terms of his ability and in terms of his ability to be able to mold himself into what's needed for his team. This is a huge factor as to why I think this guy is the greatest player of all time. Also, you said it earlier, come in full circle. Three different championships with three different franchises. That's not look, LeBron, we saw what happened. Michael goes to the Wizards. Okay, by the way, Michael was 38 when he went to the Wizards. Mm-hmm. What's Michael doing with the Wizards? Nothing. Okay. Yep. LeBron's averaging 28, six and six or whatever it is with the Lakers. My my point is, is that I, going, even though I didn't like it as a, as a Clevelander, that is another check for LeBron for me when I think, well, you know, who has the biggest impact on their team? Ultimately, not the clutch player, not the best scorer as a, as a person who's, who has the impact on their team. LeBron is able to go and win championships in three different places. Mm-hmm. It's not happening with Michael. It's not happening with Michael. I can tell you that for sure. And the last thing, here's the last one argument that people always tend to miss. Michael Jordan retired briefly, as you know, and went and had a, a, a and went played baseball, and did his thing. It was a disaster, but it was a passion thing. He's, his dad passed away. It was like he had, he was under immense mental uh, strain, whatever. The point is, he was the greatest basketball player at the time. He went away. Everybody thought when Michael Jordan left that the Chicago Bulls would be devastated. In fact, it was the opposite. In fact, the 1993-1994 Jordanless Bulls, you ready for this? Finished without Jordan, but with all of Jordan's key pieces that made them into one of the greatest teams of all time. Finished 55 and 27, second, <laughs> just by the way, like by a half game in the central. And they ended up going to the to the eastern semi uh, semis um and losing in the eastern conference semifinals and losing in seven games to the Ewing Knicks. And barely. Here's my point. When LeBron James left any of the teams that he left, if you're told, who's the greatest player of all time, all time, look at the teams yep. when Jordan left and when LeBron left. Jordan leaves, 
these MFers are almost going to the finals without him. When, when LeBron leaves, they are destitute for the next decade. Yeah. Cleveland's picking in the lottery. That's I'm going to stop there. All I'm saying is if you want to have an argument about the greatest of all time, you have to take those things into consideration when you're really applying your argument. And that's one thing that's just driving me crazy that it, it doesn't happen. And, and I just wanted to bring that to light. And ultimately when you ask if he's retiring, he's got enough, his legacy is cemented. And at mm-hmm. this point, it's just people picking from their favorite generational players. And it's just fun to talk about, but there's no doubt that he's the greatest player of his generation. And Michael was of his, but when it comes to like people kind of downgrading his performance this year is where I got really pissed downgrading the fact he's 38. He's averaging a triple double in the, in, in a, in a deciding game. He's averaging 28.77 at th- no player has ever done that. Mm-hmm. That's a, the, 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 the fact that people penalize athletes, for having long careers, what do you think they're just showing up and it's like it's it's an automatic? Did you see Carmelo at the end of his career? Did you see all the people that you cited at the end of the career? Here is this guy at thirty eight. He should be doing the same thing. He's still top seven, top five in the league. Mm-hmm. Three quick points because LeBron will have his Jordan on Wizards moment. He will he he will go somewhere and he will just because Father Time is undefeated. He will have yeah. that. At some point in his career. At some point. We don't know when. It could be 46 years old, but we'll see. Second thing, he going to 10 straight finals, I think when it's all said and done, is going to look be looked at in similar light to Jordan being 6-0. Because Thanks for, for 10 straight that. years, you pencil him in, put not pen, pencil him in, put it in Sharpie, LeBron James, yep. finalist for the NBA finals. Yep. And the third thing, the reason why I think he said what he said, because that's – you don't say that without trying to gain some sort of leverage. He's trying to get every, he's trying to squeeze every last drop of juice out of this orange with the Lakers and trying mm-hmm. to win one more title. Yep. What I believe he's going to do is take uh, a Jordan sabbatical. It's going to be LeBron's version of baseball. He's going to mm-hmm. go be the, the, the biggest super dad of USC basketball that's ever lived and it's going to make his U- o- OSU fandom look like it was child's play that's mm-hmm. how great he's going to like root for Bronny and and USC and then in a year he's going to come back finish his career with the Lakers and then bounce and go play with Bronny somewhere but i think he's going to take a year off and come back at 39 and try to finish out his career and win. But that. So do you think he's going to finish? Do you think he's going to play one more year with the Lakers? Because he's contractually, he's got one more yes, than an option. But I think right? he's going to take the year off this year. Oh, do you? Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. That's fair. And maybe That's not. Fair. Maybe, he, maybe he just said that because, you know, he's dealing with a foot injury and he was so pent up, didn't want, couldn't deal with it anymore and just said something out of tune for the first time in a very long time. But. That's just the way that I think about this. That is a great place to end. Aaron, thank you so much for coming on. I'm yeah, thankful that you texted me to, to allow you to have a platform. Tell the people what you got going on, where they can find you, all that good stuff. You can find me anywhere you get podcasts. Just look for 7-Minute Stories, the number 7-Minute Stories. Um, you can find me at 7 And if you love storytelling, 
and and uh, about you know everyday stuff that helps you connect with your own memories, the ups and downs of life. I kind of share my perspective, and we connect that way. And we've been able to grow a, a global audience, and it's just really been a privilege. And it's also just been a privilege to uh, to be here, man, talk with you. I love this. I appreciate you answering that text. I got loud. I'm sorry for screaming. I just All had good. to be able to, I had to shout from the mountaintops that look, when you're talking about the best, greatest ever, you got to remember some of the key points here when you're mm-hmm. making your, make your choice, but don't forget. And I think you're right. I'll end here. Greatness always is clearer in retrospect. And I think you're yes. right. We're going to, we're going to be able to see that a lot more clearly when all the dust settles, whenever it is that he retires. Thank you so much, man. Take care. Thanks. Appreciate it, man. All right. To end the podcast, just to lift up the curtain, as the K show would would say, I was fully preparing to make this last segment just a Boston Celtics heat discussion, more focused (laughs) around Eric Spolstra. But we have some breaking news, and this is coming out of the Arizona Cardinals. DeAndre Hopkins has been granted his release from the Arizona Cardinals, officially becoming a free agent as of today. And person I want to bring in to talk about this, because at a moment's notice, he he is down for anything. There's my good friend, Nick Paradis of the Bad Ideas, the Children's Programming Podcast. You've heard him if, you, if you've listened to the show countless times throughout the years. Nick. The football uh, you, guy. Yes, a football guy. Nick, you were packing, I assume, to come up to new york yes 10 minutes ago i called you i said can you record you said yes and here we are the only reason why we're doing this is i checked my phone i checked twitter just as as randomly just as i was sitting down literally to record what i was going to talk about with the heat and and spolstra and that whole series that's going to have to wait for tuesday this hopkins stuff is fascinating to me because I'm just going to give you everyone a quick timeline because I did, you know, half-assed internet research. Shout out to Bill Simmons and the Rewatchables podcast on mm-hmm. just a, a rough timeline of things with DeAndre Hopkins because he has been, other than the Rogers situation, I would argue he has been in, in as many headlines as, say, uh, Devontae Adams in Vegas, like those two have kind of like dominated the mm-hmm. off season drama. I would say just for the sense that it doesn't, it looks much less likely that the Raiders will move on from, from Adams. I would say that Hopkins has been, in my opinion, definitely the number two story of the off season thus far behind the obvious Aaron Rodgers. So timeline wise, and Part of this is from the Arizona Republic. Mm-hmm. Newspapers.com is a godsend when it comes to this stuff. Love mm-hmm. that website. It oh, it saves me time and time again. So all half of this, 90% of this I, I found from newspapers.com and the Arizona Republic. January 8th. It was the first mention of possibly trading DeAndre Hopkins. It wasn't an official trade request. It was just some reporter from the Arizona Republic floating around the idea that Hopkins could be 
on the move mm-hmm. in the offseason. Then we have March 8th. We have Hopkins going on the Pat McAfee show saying, hopefully, quote, hopefully we get the results we want, end quote. Now, that was kind of cryptic and it was sort of speculatory for he wants more money. Maybe he wants out of there. He then on uh, on March 27th, the new head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, Rich Gannon, said he's a valuable asset to us. We're going to use we're going to go through the offseason like he's a part of this team, which is exactly what he's supposed to say. And fine. April 16th. Hopkins himself puts on Twitter, Nuke or Hopkins doesn't want to raise. And then he puts the quote to Nuke, aka mm-hmm. him. So it was clear that he didn't like the direction that the organization was going. He wanted out of there. And I find it hard to believe that no team would have traded like a fifth round pick for him that they just said yeah. enough's enough you're gone that was that was what was surprising to me about all this is that nobody thought to to even take a late round pick like you were saying but maybe i i don't know maybe they figured that that nobody else would they were just kind of playing the odds that nobody else would either and they could just sign him in free agency and be done with it by able to keep their draft picks but that's the well, only he is owed like 19 and a half million mm-hmm. so that could also factor into it but again and this is my second question Nick, can well, that's he the other thing too is maker? that now you can you can sign him for a lot less than that because he's right. in the open market, right? And I'm not saying uh, he he might not sign for that. He might want you know Odell money, but can he really be a difference maker? Because recent history with Hopkins has not been kind to him. He was suspended for performance enhancing drugs for a month of the season this past year. He didn't really have a great year when he when he came back and then he had to deal with, you know, Kyler Murray going down and, and, and getting reacclimated with Colt McCoy as the quarterback. I think there was somebody else thrown in there for, for the Cardinals as well that played a game or two. So he doesn't like the direction the organization is going. He hasn't really produced in like two years. And, and I will say also in his defense, how can you like the direction the organization is going? Oh, I mean, he went yeah. there, he went there as the missing piece that would get them into title contention. That would be Kyler's big weapon. And now not even three years later, they're on pace to be the worst team in football this year. They're probably going to move on from Kyler. Oh, it's not, it's not even um, a question that they are full bore NBA tankathoning this thing. Yes. Like they, they, might be the first team to just completely punt on a year football wise. And I'm not going to be shocked if it's going to be a roster full of, full of uh, XFL players. Like that's how just, they don't want anything to do with this year. Nothing. If they could just forfeit every game, I'm sure they would. Luis Perez did look pretty good at the old XFL championship game. It's the old Arlington renegades. 
So what a sad time for Arizona sports. Coyotes kicked out, probably moving. Cardinals tankathon. Suns eliminated before they got a chance to really show what they could. At least the Diamondbacks are good. Is that why you're wearing the hat? It was a happy coincidence, but I did. <laughs> um... Shout out to uh, PacSun, PacSun exclusive. Oh, boy. Um, no, not your former employer. Not my former employer. Woof. Um, Lids is, yeah. I got to tell you, I mean, not to get sidetracked, but Lids, they, they're losing the plot over there. You know, but and, and New Era as a whole. I mean, give the, the people want three things. They want a couple of limited drops. They want green bottoms and gray bottoms with World Series patches. And they want <laughs> like the, the red, the, the, like the, the, the blue teams in red and the red teams in black. That's what they want. You know, the red Yankee fitted, the black Red Sox fitted. That's what the people want. They don't want this inside out hat. They don't want a Hawaiian underbrim. They don't want this. What are so, we doing? I mean, we'll get back on track. I haven't been in a lids in, in, in years, probably three years since the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I'll add I just one get more- online now i'll add one if more i see thing something i if i see something list. i like i'll just buy it for directly from mitchell and ness or whoever yeah i mean that's how this hat came along shout out to uh big cat and and stella Love blue that. coffee oh my god i had a giant cup of that this morning it's the only way i can get up but oh pause <laughs> the, i would add a fourth thing to that list and that's dad hats Okay, yeah, the people like that. The 47 dad hats. That That's mm-hmm. the only other thing that I would add on that list. Anyway, getting back to the nooks of this with the with the Cardinals, I'll get back. Can Nuke Hopkins be a difference maker in 2023? I, I think he's at that age now and at that point of his career. It's it, He's been in the league for 10 years. He's 30 years old, going to be 31. He's at that point in his career where he can be, he can situationally be good. But I mean, if he goes to the right, he's going to want elite money. Yes. Even if it's for a year, he's going to want to ring chase, do the Odell and try to hook his wagon and get a ring so he can be in the group of elite receivers from his generation. Mm -hmm. Uh, What I mean is like, what I what I mean is like if he were to go to a team like let's say Carolina, who's looking for a, a big target for their young quarterback, then he can be a difference maker in the sense that he'll be able to bail Bryce Young out of some bad situations, and he'll be able to put up respectable numbers with a young quarterback. He could be a difference maker in that sense, but he won't be a difference maker in terms of leading the league in yards again ever. I don't think. Can he be a number one on a title contender? I do not think so. So I think he can be a solid number two on a title contender, and he can be a number one on a rebuilding team. I agree. But, I mean, he's got he's at a very – because I love DeAndre Hopkins. Love him. Fantasy-wise, yes. as a football player, I thought he was the number one receiver for like a four-year basis, and no one was talking about him. It was like the peak of Odell. 
and Hopkins was just down in Houston catching 10 balls a game, having over 100 yards receiving, and yep. nobody cared because Matt Schaub was his quarterback. <laughs> and TJ Yates was his quarterback. Yep. So I, I, I've put together a list of five teams. Okay. Which I have to three you, that I'm thinking of. Okay. Which to you out of these five, if you were DeAndre Hopkins, let's say, you know, you're either him or his, uh, you're his agent. So you're coming, yes. to, coming to him and they, all of them are going to offer them the same offer sheet. So the money is the exact same. Of these five, where are you going? And I'll go in reverse order. I have at five, the Baltimore Ravens, four, the L.A. Chargers. And this is in no specific order. These are just five teams I've come up with. So mm -hmm. Char uh, Ravens, Chargers, Giants, Jets, Chiefs. If the money is all equal for all of those, I think the obvious choice is the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, I mean that offense. With How could it not be? Kelsey and Hopkins, yeah. and then you got Pacheco coming out of the backfield. Yikes. I mean, that would be the obvious one. I think – I don't know if they would pull the trigger. I guess I've seen, you know, Andy Reid and, and – those boys cook up some crazier schemes, but <laughs> I, I don't know if they pull the, tr I think of those, obviously the one I would most like to see is the giants. Right. Uh, but I think that the, the Ravens make a lot of sense, especially now that the Lamar Jackson situation is cleared up. He has this new contract. You can go out mm -hmm. and get him a nice big number one receiver. Well, that he, he already has a number one. What's that? He already has a number one. It's Odell. Well, well, yeah, but, you know, Odell's in kind of the same category as, right. as DeAndre right. Hopkins, where they're nebulous number ones. I, I, I like that. Nebula, he's a nebulous number one. Nebulous number one. But, I, I mean, you could hit was, your... Go ahead. If you, the thing is, if you're going to roll the dice with somebody like that, why not roll the dice with both of them? That way you're kind of you're you're playing the odds that at least one of them will have a bounce back season. Right. And if the, they do, then you, either way, you'll look like a genius. The one thing that I and the reason why I put Baltimore on the list is because when Lamar was in his contract holdout, he had two names on the list for, for the Ravens to go out and get. And one of them was Odell, and obviously. All it cost was money, and they got that done. Mm -hmm. The other name was DeAndre Hopkins. And everyone yes. was like, well, I don't think they're going to trade him or trade for him because I don't think they want to give up the capital to make the team better. Well, now they don't got to trade anything. They're just going to do the exact same thing that they did with Odell. And yep. that offense, with a new offensive coordinator, some new tools around Lamar, Gus Edwards coming back for a full year without the injury, and, Mark you know, Andrews JK, still there. Mark Andrews, J.K. Dobbins, that offense, and what all that of a could sudden do, that's a top five offense in in the AFC. I would say top two. Like I would argue that's better than anything the Chargers are going to do, anything the Bengals are going to do, anything the Jets are going to do. The only one that I would say that wouldn't be as good, and it's only be because the 
guys down in Kansas City, you can't go against them and Kelsey and Mahomes. Mm -hmm. But that cast of characters, we talk about the Falcons being a Madden ultimate team on offense. That's like a 2013-2014 Madden ultimate team on offense. Like if you said going into Lamar's year, for a rookie year, a couple of years from now, he's going to have Odell and DeAndre Hopkins as his receivers. You go, oh, he's the MVP and they win the Super Bowl. What are we talking about here? Well, here we are. And I, I really He's already think, won one MVP. Right. If he gets the – if Hopkins goes to the Ravens, and I'm glad that you thought a lot the same uh, wavelength as me because I think – like you said, it's the most probable that he ends up in Baltimore. I want him in New York as a Jet. I, I want him catching balls from Aaron Rodgers. I mean, wouldn't that be something? Alan Lazar, Garrett Wilson, and DeAndre Hopkins all together. Because that, I think, Hopkins could have the potential to lead the league in receiving yards. Because of just the IQ of both him and Rodgers hooking up. Hopkins to the Giants is really, really interesting and would be really, really fun because of the the, the three-level attack of Saquon, Waller, and Hopkins, even though Hopkins isn't a deep threat, but just another added level of, oh, you're going to double-team Hopkins with Waller, boom, right there. The one thing that give scares you, me, go ahead. I'm going to give you two more that I think are, are possible, strong interesting possibilities not strong possibilities but interesting possibilities and one of which i've heard a little bit of rumblings the other one is just pure speculation because they've done this before don't don't. i know where you're gonna go with the second one and it's gonna piss me off but go ahead he did it with randy moss in 2007 that's all i'm saying stop that's all i'm saying but the other one is another AFC East team, actually. That would be the Buffalo Bills. Oh, God. Would you, did you, is this just your attempt to piss me off going into Memorial Day weekend? The Bills no, I and would, the Patriots? Are you kidding me? I would never do that to you. But the Bills are, this is their, I think, their last shot. Yeah, I would agree with that. They have to win the Super Bowl this year, or it's not going to happen in this window. The window is going to close. I, Dude, the the nightmares that I, I am having nightmarish just flashes right now. Diggs and Hopkins going up. Oh, my. Wait, oh, no, no. <laughs> like, and that's the other thing, too, with the, those two teams in particular. I If you're going to I, I don't want to ever put anything past Belichick. It would be it would come out that, you know. Hopkins had a meeting with the Jets and then he got a call from Bill Belichick while in the meeting with the Jets and said, hold on, I have to take this, takes the call and then goes and signs with the Patriots. That's how it would happen if he does sign with the Patriots. But with the Bills, yes, it's it's probable. I would probably put Kansas City a little bit ahead of uh, Buffalo just because Hopkins would look and go, I can play with the greatest quarterback of this generation. Mm -hmm. And they're already souped up to go win another Super Bowl. 
If they add I'm with me, you. And, and also they have I I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure the Chiefs have more cap space than the Bills do. I think it's close, but even still, I think in that situation, if he does go to the Chiefs, he he sacrifices the money for the ring or the attempt to get a ring. And of With course, Buffalo, we know like, the, I think the he cap goes is nebulous. Money. You could rework Mahomes' oh, the, contract and Kelsey's contract and make it work. The NFL cap space or the NFL cap, it's an etch-a-sketch. Yeah. That's what it is. You can shake it up and go... We don't have anything. We have all we we have a completely free cap. The Saints all the did money it in the for world. twenty years. The Rams did it. The Jets are doing it. Like what are we talking? The Jets all of a sudden, boom, thirty million in cap space because of how they're reworking Rogers' deals. What are we talking about with this? It it makes mm-hmm. it literally. It's an etch a sketch, and for all my for I can't believe I'm saying this. But for all the younger listeners out there, go Google what an etch sketch is. Yeah. I can't believe I'm saying that. That that that's that makes me feel old. But get off my lawn. <laughs> With the Bills, I wasn't even thinking them. But because they were linked to Derrick Henry. Yes, which that's been again, a big topic of of conversation down here is the potential a potential Derrick Henry trade. Well, I think he is gone because the the Cardinals got. And I had this argument with Tankathon. Yeah, and I have this argument with Titan fan friends of mine all the time. Why would he want to stay? Yeah, like, that, that they're not stink. going to win in the net. The, the window is closed for Tennessee. Ryan Tannehill couldn't get it done. Will Levis will not get it done. And Malik Willis isn't even going to be on the team this August. Uh, so what <laughs> well, are we he might doing? be on the practice squad, but he, yeah, he won't he be on be. the active roster. The If the Titans championship window is a boarded up shack. Yeah. The, the tenants have moved out. There are rodents settling in. Derrick Henry is trapped in the attic and wants to get out. Hmm. Sounds like no... a West Nashville apartment building. <laughs> the, there is no circumstance. Derrick Henry will be on a new team when he puts on his pads in September. I I agree. And I think it's going to be either the Eagles or the Bills. Which, and all of this, just talking about this, the Jets... Uh, uh, Go go figure. I'm making this about me and my team. Go figure. Right. But the Jets, their window, if either of those two te- two guys, or God forbid, I hope it doesn't happen, both of those two guys goes to Buffalo. I mean, it's like the 90s Bills all over again. Can you imagine if it, it literally is the 90s Bills all over again and they both go there and still lose to Kansas City in the championship game? I mean, that if that happens, the entire city of Buffalo will burn down in yeah. negative 14 degrees and six feet of snow because they will just pour lighter fluid on everything and burn it to the ground. But they, the, officially... the Bills Mafia won't be jumping into folding tables anymore. Yes, they will they'll be... be jumping off of them. Yes. <laughs> uh, the 
and that was like I'm always a proponent of you got to stick with your team no matter what. If that were to happen, all all bets are off. You can enter sports fan free agency and just pick a new team because that is the definition of just torture. Like full bore U.S. military secret stuff torture that we don't even yes. know about sort of thing. As you know, I'm a bit more nebulous with my opinions on sports fandom, as we saw on this show of my brief foray into being a Steeler guy. Yes, your 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 six week fling with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes, we were in marriage counseling. It's okay, <laughs> Nick. I think that's a good place to <laughs> to end. Um, I will. See you at some in some capacity when you come up to New York for yeah. your garage sale and wedding that you have to attend. Yes, not my wedding. No, no, to no, be no, clear. no. Ladies out there, I'm still yeah. single. He and ready to mingle. If you caught him in the street, the mean streets of Nashville, he's he's not you know leaving someone at home. He he has nobody at home. He's a free man. Where I hang my hat is my home. I'm a rolling stone. <laughs> I would like Brother, to use the end of this show to shout out the Arlington Renegades, the XFL champions. Um, I, we watched the game live at work a couple weeks ago. Um, the first team ever, I could be wrong, but the first, oh, I'll consider the XFL a major sport for the purposes of only this stat. The first team ever to win a championship with a losing record in the regular season. That was pretty funny. It, it, it is. It makes no sense. It, the XFL is a joke because of it. And I'm not just saying I do like because my team I, in that league, the St. Louis Battlehawks, went seven and three and got bounced from the playoffs. Make that make sense, Dwayne The Rock yes. Johnson. I do like, though, that they actually brand themselves as Arlington and not Dallas. And I also like that they play in the uh, the the former home of the Rangers, which in true Texas fashion has been turned into a football stadium now. Right. Um, directly adjacent to the current football stadium. Yes. So they've got two, you know, it's big Krusty Krab 2 energy. They've got two football stadiums right next to each other. It's the Izod Center South is what it is. It's yeah, probably a Texas. dump. It is probably a dump. Nick, probably. we went way longer than I thought, and that's usually how this thing goes. This podcast is going to be a marathon again. But thank you so much for coming on. Enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. I will see you soon, but be good, brother. All right? Take care, man. On this side of the coin, not the fake Jay Leo on Twitter, jdatasports.blogspot.com. And, of course, this podcast. If you reach this point, first of all, you're a real MVP. Second of all, like, subscribe, share this podcast to anybody who you seem fit. If you're new to the show, download the show. It means more to the show than you know. I apologize for yet another hour and 20 minute plus podcast. It was not going to be that way. I was going to wrap up somewhere about an hour. The, you know, you don't have to, I don't have to tell you the timestamps are in the description and you've listened to this podcast to get to this point. It was already about an hour with Aaron. I was just going to do a five-minute really recap of what I really want to talk about with the Heat and Celtics. That's going to wait till Tuesday, as I said with Nick. The Hopkins stuff, just, I had to talk about. It's topical, and it does involve both Nick and my team. So I wanted to get that off my chest. 
I appreciate if you stuck through the hour and 20 plus minutes of this pod. Have a great Memorial Day weekend. I hope everyone is happy and healthy in your family. Oh, and by the way, before I get out of here, go to the blog, jdadasports.blogspot.com. Got two new pieces on the Yanks up. I have, I'm going to turn what I was originally going to do with the with the Nets into a podcast and just flush it out that way. A lot of Yankees stuff on that blog. I will talk Yanks, John Boy style, sometime soon here on this podcast. I will do dual. I, I, I wanted to just stick it on the blog, but I will bring it on to this podcast at some point not just some breaking news with like hicks and stuff like that or a trade or a major injury or whatever i will definitely talk yankees on this podcast very very soon and uh yeah have a great weekend hope it's filled with a lot of hot dogs a lot of hamburgers a lot of sunshine a lot of family a lot of good times a lot of beer (laughs) and uh enjoy yeah again enjoy the weekend be happy be healthy be safe and just one more shout out. Go follow my TikTok, Grind Hours Podcast on TikTok. Have a great weekend, everybody. You know how I end the podcast from the sweet words of Semisonic. It's closing time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Peace.